Shalom. This is some of my best friends are Kabbalists. I had a very long discussion with uh, Rav Nassim Altaglik, and it was wide-ranging, and it dealt with Christianity, its parallels and differences with Judaism, and specifically um, from a Kabbalistic perspective. The conversation was important. I've decided to present it to you in two parts. The first part, which you're going to hear now, really deals with uh, the challenge in the similarities and understanding in general what Christianity was and how it was successful. And the second part uh, is a little deeper exploration of how Christian uh, theology runs up against Jewish uh, ideals. And it also includes us, Nassim and I, going through the famous Rambam towards the end of the Mishnah Torah in Hilchas Melachim. So I hope you enjoy uh, part one. Here it is. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is some of my best friends are Kabbalists. I'm here with Rav Nossen Notaglik from Ashkelon, Eretz Yisrael. Uh, Nossen, I don't hear the birds uh, today, but uh, I... Um, and uh, we are post-Hanukkah. And here in the United States, it's hard not to feel, and we've really felt this, I think, all the way since uh, Halloween or even before, the idea that we are living in a Christian country with emphasis on the Christmas holiday that is coming. Now, we could go down a path here and discuss the whole I- the idea of the Kabbalistic uh, Hasidic I, I approach to what what do we do on December 25th and and in terms of Nittel or the 24th actually and the idea of not giving koach to the klip on the sitrachar um, that would be too pat Rav Nosen. Uh I, I actually want to talk to you about something else today I want to talk to you about and I think it'll include that eventually but I want to talk to you in general about the similarity and between some of the ideas that are articulated by Christian mystics and even earlier than Christian mystics, the, the, the Gnostics and others who developed ideas that were in many ways similar to the type of paradoxes and principles that we find in Sifrei Kabbalah. Um, look, you know, as we all know, Rav Nosen, the Gemara that says that the Mishnah says, and the reason is because it looks like uh, if one reads the Talmud with a little bit of a critical eye, one realizes that in the time of the Shas, there was a worry of, of an idea that there are actually two opposing powers within our, uh, in Yiddishkeit, so, so to speak, that there was, right. A, that, right? There was like 
a certain kayach of a certain kayach that was responsible for uh, simsum and gvul, and there was another koach that was responsible for or and right. And this was this is part of the reason why um, the the Chazal changed the pasuk to right Yitzar Bari Chayshech Baisa Shalom not Ubayre Yisara but Ubayre Yisakol. Because there right. was there was there was there was a concern even in the time of the Mishnah that there was a dualism, and that dualism is very very connected to uh, the Gnostic faith and many aspects of of of, of the Christian Kabbalah and part of the later Kabbalah. So I, I think that as we approach the Christmas season and think about Christianity, I think we sort of have to think about some of the the, the theological basis of Christianity and. And, 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 and realize that some of that power that Christianity had to sort of conquer the world in some ways um, was built on sort of an inherent acceptance of some of the ideology behind it. Thing to say about that particular point, I learned this from um, Paula Friedrichsen, who is a professor and she specializes in, uh, in early Christianity. And uh, she also converted to Judaism. So she's one of us. Actually, I think it was a from conversion. And, um, but she's very smart. I used to listen to her all the time. I got, got a lot of background out, you know, from listening to her lectures. And one of the things that she told was that the, the great selling point for Christianity, especially amongst non-Jews, is that simply by hearing the story, okay, by hearing the story, and getting emotionally involved in the story, they were able to find the strength to abandon Avoid Zara. And they were able to find the strength to become celibate. Two things very, very closely related for some for some reason. Okay. And you you had a real issue with you know Christians really just not wanting to be involved with families, not wanting to be not wanting, wanting to be croaked excuse me, not wanting to procreate and just wanting to get out of the body and into the, you know, into the spiritual realm and, and forgo all of those pleasures. And people were having too many struggles with their Yetzirah. They couldn't conquer their Yetzirah until they heard the story about Isla Ish was nailed and everything and the whole, you know, the whole thing. And by believing in that story, they seem to be able to find the ability to to conquer the Yetzirah of Avodah and to conquer the Yetzer of, um, of Arias, you know, maybe probably too much of too much conquest of the Yetzer of Arias as far as we would be concerned. The story itself, which becomes the Gospels and, and in its different iterations, we know that the interpretation that one can give to the, the original Greek Gospels, uh, there's a... There's a uh, a certain stage of interpretation where there's the pshat, right? I am the son, right? And then there's mm-hmm. another interpretation that the Council of Nicaea and others uh, pushed, which is that what we're dealing with is that I am he, is that he is God incarnate. Um, I know for the first couple of hundreds of years of Christianity, there was a struggle uh, to try to sort of get the theology straight. When you say they heard the story, so did they hear the story of, 
of a, of a, of a, of a man who was imbued with the spirit who comes back to life and is God's messenger and agent? Or did they hear the story of God? Did they hear the story of how God was able to metamtum himself into the form and walk the world as a human being and die for our sins and give us expiation because God and us are pretty much the same thing because God could, could turn himself into one of us. Is that the story they heard? Is that the one that inspired? Or was it the more simpler version of the pshat of Christianity? It's, it's hard to say. I mean, because when the story is being told to non-Jews, okay, they're going to be hearing it through non-Jewish ears. And in the ears of somebody who is an Oiva Devay Desaro, who is, who is a pagan, okay, the idea of God being kind of human-type entities anyway, who, who come down to earth occasionally have sex with women and, and, and have children who are then themselves godlike uh, to some extent, that's a, very, that's a very common trope throughout all of the ancient pagan beliefs. So... You know, if you if you say, you know, if you say that uh, that this man was a was the son of God, okay, walking the earth among us. So you know, we tend to hear that in terms of b'nei b'chayri Yisrael, okay, like you, they kind of call that attitude adoptionism. You know, if you're very special, if you're a big tzaddik, if you if you're if you mishtalim b'maylis, you know, haruchni is then you get to have the the appellation of being a son of God, which means to say that Hashem is, deals with you as he would a son and not as he would an Evid. And that's how that's how we take it. You know, you take that same story to non-Jews and you say they use those same words, they're going to get quite a different quite a different impression with this. And I mean part of part of Paul's personality, if you want to look at it that way, was that he was willing to say anything to anybody just as long as he could sign them up. And so a lot of, a lot of um, you know, what we, we would consider Orthodox Christianity, which means to say the, the belief in the divinity of, you know, you know who we're talking about, right? In belief in divinity and in Trinity and all those other really, really um, typically non-Jewish concepts, um, which seem to have a great deal to do with with pagan attitudes. Well, you know that comes from non-Jews hearing the story and interpreting it in their own, you know, in their own way. The current evidence seems to indicate that there were a group of Jewish Christians, Mamish, and they continued to live in in uh, Jerusalem for quite some time after after Constantine. But they were they were considered heretics. They were considered heretics because they didn't accept they didn't accept the virgin birth. They didn't accept um, you know they didn't they didn't accept the divinity claims um, that were being made about Yeshu, and um, they died out. You know, they wouldn't couldn't have been otherwise. You know, they just so they probably died out. But within that within that core group of of people who came to be known as as Evyonim, that was their Evionim. that was the way that they referred to the Ebionites, the Ebionites. Yes, right. Um, so them, their Ebionites, um, they included, you know, the original 
quote unquote church. I mean, church is just the knesset. It's a you know it's a gathering of people. That's all that word means. Um, the community. They were the community of of uh, believers in Yeshua after after he died, including members of his family. And um, and things got completely out of hand as far as as far as they were concerned. And um, the thing that made all the difference was taking the story to the non-Jews. But when the non-Jews heard it, it's ironic. On the one hand, that gave them the ability to really decide to get close to Kaddish Baruch and, and to some extent give up the Avoy desire that they had that they had known. To, to some extent, because they were also replacing it with something else that was kind of Avoy Dazar-ish, um, if not entirely. And um, and also also to you know believe that they have capabilities or potentialities that that uh, they would not have acknowledged previously to that. So it became it became very you know if 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 God could do this you know and and, and you know you mentioned before like we we have the idea from the Greeks and the Romans you mentioned you know like Zeus fathers uh, Hercules type of thing right and hercules is a demigod because he's sort of like half god and so half god half human right yes right so these ideas which were prevalent and and if that was the original tfisa that they had about jesus that he was sort of a a son but without in other words a born out of a woman but without actually wasn't like zeus who impregnates whoever he impregnated i don't know i don't know my cousin my, my greek uh, my greek gods well enough mary is a virgin because there's really no penetration but god creates within her so originally you could see a pagan mentality could see it's sort of like a hercules but a little bit different but then as they stress the ideals that were siphoned from our Torah of goodness, of kindness, of, of, of caring for the poor, of, of the idea even of one God, the idea of one right. despite being three, eventually what happens is, is that not only do they, you're right, they leave Avodah but part of it is because they get a mentality that's much more subtle. And in a way, and this is really the point I was trying to make before, allows them a, a, a bridge to sublime piety because in a way they can actually feel God working through them, that they feel in a way that, um, that this world, especially the Jesus story of a young man who dies in his youth and is suffering and is, 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 is bound to a cross, becomes a symbol of, of, of the tragedies and an and unfairness of this world, that this world is, as we would say in Kabbalistic terms, a world of tzimtzum, a world of meitzorim, a world of gvulim, a world where ra is sholate because everything is finite. And whenever you have things that come to, to have a kids, there's going to be a sense of chasarom, a sense of something that's not there. So they are able eventually to put into context what we would call the messy, ugly reality of life, and see that as something that we can now move beyond. And the reason why we can move beyond it is because, well, when God becomes human, what, what is happening is, and then God, so to speak, dies and comes back. What is re- the message that's being said is, is that all of your lives, despite the limitations that you have, you are, you are all God in a sense. All of us, every single 
believer who accepts it can believe and find within himself what what, what a, a chassid might say the 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 um elakai mimal mamish right so uh, yeah. and, and, uh, like and those pagans maybe it took hundreds of years but eventually if those pagan slash mystical believers in the, the soul and, and, and God would speak to, uh, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to get you to talk about it, a Kabbalist, they might find some commonality in the way that they were talking when they spoke about what it means to be spiritual and what it means to reject aspects of this world. And what does it mean to sort of have, as I started our conversation before, that there are two, di- there are two opposing uh, conceptions. There's the conception of understanding the oilum of gvul, the oilum that oilum asiya that we find with the tzimtzumim and its rules, and then we have this higher world that supports the worlds below it, mm-hmm. and, and in that way, I, I think what we have is a, um, uh, a, a, a quite a strong parallel. Uh, of course, you know, we might still you know, condemn them and call them but their spiritual um, dynamic of there's this chalik and that chalik. There's something above besides there being something here and now. The idea of being able to bring goodness into the world from that higher world. Even when you say turning the other cheek, which is counterintuitive. You hit me, I I forgive you. Uh, You beat me up, (laughs) I love you. How do I, how, how am I able to do that? It should be tit for tat. Norvos, there is a hecher madrega that they can rely on. That hecher madrega that comes from the sense of something being above and beyond all of this. And therefore, even your hatred and your pettiness and your evil and your actions, there's something beyond and greater than that. So I believe what I've articulated is became pretty much essence of all human beings is found in the in the christian church okay and i i think that's not true i think the christians actually when they say that that you know um yeshu is the son of god and the only son of god and you got to believe in him and nobody else because there never was another son of god so it, it ultimately reinforces the idea that um humans are all created they're created by god and if you take the um, the typical way of saying this is that is that um, because of the sin of Adam Rishon, therefore all humans, which all human souls which are created after that, are created under the curse and under the under the wrath of God, and they're all going to go to hell. Okay, and therefore the the power of Yeshu to accomplish the reconciliation between God and all these, and all these souls. So that instead of just making them and frying them, he's just, he's going to make them and let them go into heaven because they believed in the, because they believed in Yeshu. Um, That's the, that's the nature of the reconciliation that's being wrought. I don't think it's a matter of discovering your own inner divinity. That would already be like the, the Gnostic Christians would have been to some extent on that, on that wavelength, but the Gnostics were not, uh, were not Orthodox Christians. For precisely for that reason, because it, you know when you get to that point, the difference between the um, the Son of God and everybody else in the world, kind of that difference, that distinction, 
kind of fades away to some extent. Everybody is the son of God in potential if you if you awaken your inner soul. And and the difference between Yeshua and an ordinary person was that Yeshua was more was more actualized, um, but not that not that he was intrinsically a son of Hash, you know a son of God more than anybody else. And um, so that's one of the what that's one of the angles that that uh, Gnostic Christianity would have had that is that would that is different than what we commonly know as Christianity today. And Christian, Christianity as we know it today is very much the Son of God is the only Son of God and nobody else. Right. And I, 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 when the Balatani was arrested, the charge against him was that um, he, was, he was making claims about, um, he was making claims basically that uh, the Jews are one level of human being and, uh, and non-Jews are another level of human being, you know, and that we, you know, and it's it clearly stated in the Tanya, you know, Jews have a chilek elukami mamish and, and, uh, and non-Jews are from the, from the klipota tmeot, you know, and I thinking to myself, you're like, how would the Balatanya have tried to explain that? I mean, he was, he was being questioned over there in prison. He was, you know, he's being kind of, uh, Examined by by various uh, various investigators to try to see what does he really believe, you know. And in the end, I think he had a very easy way to to um, to deal with this. He simply said, "Listen, all of your doctrines completely agree with exactly what I said, because you guys all believe that you're created and you're and you're and you're inherently damned unless you unless you believe, and you're all going to go to hell unless you believe, and that the created, you know." And you and you have only three people in the Godhead, okay? There's three personalities up there. Not uh, you know, not everybody. Not everybody gets a, uh, not everybody gets a share in this, in this mal business. But we do because we're Jewish. And that would have been a that would have been a response that I think they would have been very would have been very hard for them to to contradict. You know, so um, where do we want to go from here? Well, I say, well, why don't you keep the Old Testament? Why don't you keep the the laws of of of, of, of the the dietary laws? You know, um, a Christmas ham. It says in the, it says in Leviticus that this is something that it's that it's yeah, abomination. He, he a, would never eat in a ham. Yes, for it's his an, birthday. It's, it's, an, it's, it's an abomination, right? It's an abomination. Um, the same way you point to the same way you point to the 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 laws of illicit sexual behavior, and you say that homosexuality is an, is an abomination. The same term is used for eating ham, and yet you serve ham in your churches. So the the priests or the minister would I don't know if you'd be able to answer and explain, you know, in terms of why the condemnation of the illicit behavior is still in place. But I think what they would say is, is that many of these ritual laws were a result of a different period in humanity to show that humanity would fail. And that that was the basic idea, that the destructions of the two temples and um, the, the fact that the Jews were subjugated, the fact that the Jews were not the center of world influence was proof, this was the idea, as you know, that this system, with all its details and all its specificity, was meant to prove that you couldn't fulfill it, and that any system 
that is so hard pressed on those details misses the forest because of the trees. And therefore, um, you can be a greater person without the diktuk, because the diktuk makes you small. The, the, the worry about uh, mixing milk and meat, the worry about mixing two different types of cloth material together, they saw that as part of the world that doesn't get the bigger spiritual picture. And that is sort of the, that sort of became for many uh, why the pejorative Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were, were, were just involved in these details like shyster lawyers, as opposed to being actually Kedoshim who are into the goodness and the greatness of, of what it means to discover your soul. And I think that would be an argument that they movement was basically, especially the way it was articulated by, by Natanazati, was that the, the world of, of, of diktuk in these specific mitzvos um, is part of a world that's not yet redeemed. The world that's redeemed will be the re- world where the chazer comes back, right? <laughs> that the chazer right. is chazer. And, and the world, the, 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 in fact, and that's why a mitzvah, because, as Gershon Trollam wrote in the, his incredible essay, it's a mitzvah, you know, habob, it's a mitzvah, habob uh, avera, that really the, the mitzvahs, uh-huh. right? An avera l'shma, I believe. Avera, the, right, right, avera l'shma, that the, that the mitzvahs come through the avera, and the avera is the proof that we are really in a different tkufa. So, do the Sabbateans borrow from Christianity? I, I would like to suggest, and I think you're, you're in agreement, that there was a strand st- starting from the Zoroastrians, from the Gnostics, from others, the dualism that's mentioned in Shas that I was talking about before, that really sees uh, a, a, a conflict between the, the, the Elokus Mamish that's everywhere and the tzimtzum and the gvulim that are machai of you to be knowing here your chai of kares and here uh, the the zav and the balkari are able to enter. That idea of, of those gvulim, there's... So, um, I, would, I would start by saying that the, the foundation of dualisms of all of their sorts, whatever, the, whatever we're talking about, um, has to do essentially with the problem of evil. Okay. You know, life is pretty miserable. Bad things happen to good people. The world is not predictable. You can have an earthquake that eliminates a whole bunch of people. I mean, you know, there's, there's an element of living in the natural world, which seems to convince us that we are essentially insignificant and meaningless. Okay. And, and so that kind of sense of evil is coming at us from, from our external environment. And it's pretty, it's, it's pretty incontrovertible. And um, you're always going to have situations of, of tzaddik viraloi and rush of toivloi because the, the world seems to be, you know, seems to function that way, right? The world does not seem to, um, quote unquote, care about whether anybody is good or bad, you know. And then we and then we have our moral compass, which says that there's a world of difference between a person who is a good person and a bad person that, that, you know, and 
then when you add to that a sense of that you know we are connected to the creator of everything you know we're so connected to the creator of everything then why are we in this miserable situation that we're in and you know this is the fundamental problem of any religion i think and and uh, if you run around and talk to atheists or discuss atheism online it always almost always comes back comes back to that as a as a basic problem so dualism uh the primary um religion of dualism in the world is as you as you know zoroastrianism which uh, we also have some familiarity with from our uh talmud bavli it was the religion of the persians and it believed in a good god and a bad god and it had a fundamentally dualistic um attitude towards towards the world the world is good and evil and that's because they're two gods and we and we have to help the good god beat the bad god all right because neither god has neither neither god has any real ability to to uh to ooh, attain victory over over the other one unless we join forces so therefore our our actions and our choices you know kind of impact on this cosmic battle of of good and evil so the pasuk that you mentioned in Yeshayahu, that's Yotzer Or Uvore Ra Ose Shalom Uvore Takol, which is the basis for our bracha that we say every day in the first of the Birchas Kriyashma, Yotzer Or Uvore That passage in Yeshayahu is, I think, pretty clearly stated completely contra to. Zoroastrianism, and it begins with the it begins with a discussion of Koresh, and it moves on it moves on to that whole to that whole topic, and this is really a fundamental principle of of our emuna, that along with believing that there's only one God, we are also we are also attesting that His kingdom encompasses everything, and no matter what is happening in our lives, it is from Him, and we need to accept it as such, and. That's a very, very hard pill to swallow at times. Anybody that anybody that claims that this comes easy is not being honest with themselves. Right? How is it that uh, you know you can simply say Kol David and everything everything that the compassionate one does is for the good? That's a hard, hard, hard piece of emuna to come to. Right? And um, but that is what. You know that is what being a Jew means that we can accept all of this from Hakadosh Baruch Hu because we have that kind of faith, and whatever Hakadosh Baruch Hu is doing, it's not necessarily us to up. To, it's not necessarily up to us to understand it, but it is up to us not to let that drive a wedge between us and Him in terms of our relationship with each other. Uh, he feels that all the uh, different opinions of God's uh, knowledge of the world and what the difficult um, d- issue of Hashkoch Pratis has to do with the fact that human suffering it, raised, especially for children and people that were completely innocent of any sort of uh, moral deficiency, um, raised the issue. And then in order, all the formulations about what God can know, what God doesn't know, who God is connected to, who isn't, 
they all come out of the pain of the, the Rambam says, of observing the frailty and ugliness and terror that, that infuses the human condition. And how do we make, how do we make sense, make sense with this in terms of a creator who brought the world into being? So, yes, no. Right. There's, uh, and you have lots of different approaches to that. <laughs> one, of, one, of them, one of them goes back to this Indian of symptom that you've been mentioning quite a bit. You know, if, the, if we, we need, in order to exist, we need to exist in a, in a contingent and a contained way. You know, we, we can't be all over the place. We can't be infinite. We, you know, there's only, there's only one infinity here. So, so in the very act of, as it were, cutting us down to a limited manifestation of being, Okay, that might be perhaps one of the one of the ascites of the of the uh, of the contrast between light and darkness, good and evil, infinity and and temporality, you know, bigness and smallness, and joy and pain. So I mean, a lot of the pain that we experience might simply be a result of our having to exist itself, because existence means that we have to be that we have to be. Con- constrained and that means that we have to also accept that it is only through existing in this constrained manner that we can attain anything beyond that now it's because that seems to be the nature of the process we in order you know it's like it's like you have to be separate from Akadosh Baruch in order to be Mizdabik in Akadosh Baruch and there's and and the and the importance of the process instead of just remaining a a spark in heaven floating around you know never having lived never having been challenged you know you have to take upon yourself the 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 limitations of existence in order to return to where you came from and and come back richer and and uh, and um but but, but look we can take your your the dynamic that you're describing now and apply it to the act of creation of God itself. When we talk about, especially if we use, you know, Lurianic terminology, uh, is the way he explains the Zohar, the tzimtzum that occurs, right? There's, at the beginning, there's everything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, 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 there's nothing else. So God, and right, mm-hmm. right, he creates a space where he's not, right? And, and existence is, is, is brought has happened. Now, this is an existence which, on, on, on a very real level, is finite and limited. But on the other hand, it's really filled with the orange self, and the orange self is filling something in a limited fashion. What we ha- and, and yet we all know of the Chazal that you have that Sheish Alafim Habayalma the Chad Chruv, and then what happens? There is also this implosion, or, or explosion, or dissipation. And then you somehow, because we went through this with God together, because God went through the, the, the symptom and creation of the world, we can now reach what God wants, the oneg of what God wants. And that oneg is really a dissolution of the whole system. Now, doesn't that sound very uh, it, true? The Christians made it very grub in a way. But it's it's pretty much the same X's and Y's. You have God, yes. God becoming a person is very much similar to the symptom of the whole Bria. Uh, 
right? The idea that now that person suffers in life is really the whole 6,000 years of a world that has human beings that are sentient and suffer and go through, etc. So really, as I said before, the parallels are, 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 are amazingly clear. Of the Sarah Mishtaleach um, and, and, and the Yom Kippur service, you're, it's full of Christian pictures because the Christians know that the tshuva process that we go through, the idea of, of somehow going beyond our averos, our sins, which make up 90% of most of what we do, right? It's, but we have tzaddikim, like Gedolei Oilam, but the, the, a lot of us end up, it's either, you know, Hirhurira, Ulashanara, uh, eating with, without the proper kavana, uh, and other things, histaklus, et cetera. Like, like, again, every single moment of our lives is, as we say in the Tefillah Zaka, is, is bound by these gvulim. And yet, what do we discover on Yom Kippur? What do we discover through the 40 days from Aser Sumei and from the beginning of Elul? A, a way to somehow pierce and we've talked about it here on this program, yes, piercing yes, beyond, right? And we've talked about how you are more than the sum of your actions, that real tshuva comes from renouncing that and not seeing yourself as the, 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 bo- the body that's trapped that did those averas. You're someone different. You are someone bigger. And you can actually see those as the path that brought you to this enlightenment. And you could be like Saul, all right, who becomes Paul, right? You could be that person who looks at all those, those, you were the worst uh, Pharisee in the world, right? You did all those, and then the light came to you, you were blind, and afterwards, you're now able to see the light, and you see that all this, all the Ra that you did was really a mitzvah to bring you to this tov of this new enlightenment. It's, again, the, the tshuva process, the way it's, the way it, it's explained almost by all the Bali Machshava, is again involves that same dynamic, uh, which the Christians practice to the hilt. Look, you know, let, let me let me throw in another name here. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 